0: So in, uh, in 2013, uh, my wife and I, uh, Amy, we, we, we found ourselves kind of in a major transition, trying to figure out what we were gonna do. We had been church planting in the Pacific Northwest for several years. And it was time to move to something new. And Dave Clayton, who's up here earlier, uh, many of you know, he's a good friend of mine. And he reached out to me and said, Hey, would you, would you consider coming to Nashville? Come see what God is doing at Ethos. And I remember I told him, I said, Man, if I'm gonna move my family across the country, like I need to come and spend like a week with you. I wanna be your shadow for a week. I wanna see everything there is to see the good, the bad, and the ugly about Ethos. And he for some reason agreed to that. And so my wife and I came for a week, and we spent a week just kind of I followed Dave around to everything that he did. And, you know, of course, you know the outcome of the story, because here I am, seven years later, I've been in Nashville now for seven years. But there were several things that week of kind of following Dave around and getting an under-the-hood look at ethos that got our attention. And, you know, one of the things was he invited us to sit in on a leadership team meeting. And I remember Amy and I were sitting there, this was seven years ago, and the leadership team was different then. This was The church was only five years old. And this leadership team was the original team that helped plant ethos as a brand new church plant. And I'll never forget sitting in that room and hearing the conversations that were happening because they were they were talking about some pretty like weighty things. They're talking through potential church plants and leadership positions and who's gonna do what. And, and as Amy and I listened to them talk, I remember there was this moment where somebody on one side of the room made a comment, and then somebody on the other side like disagreed with them, like just really strongly. And I was like, oh no, what's about to happen here? And then and then somebody else offered like a slightly nuanced opinion, and there were several moments like that where there's disagreement, and, and but it never blew up. I kept waiting for it to like blow up and people to get angry and something crazy to happen. But the most opposite thing happened. It was like they kept talking, they kept discussing. And then at the end of the meeting, there was this moment where they stood up and they held hands and they prayed together. And then the room filled with like this joyful laughter and I'll never forget seeing two people in that room that I saw disagreeing in the meeting. They walked across the room and they were smiling and they started talking about their weekend plans to hang out and I'm going, what in the world is happening right here? I don't know what that is, but I want that. Like, I want that. Because I've had too many experiences that are the total opposite where disagreement is is just seen as automatic division. And I knew there was something happening in that room that I wanted to step into. And I think what I was seeing unfold before my eyes was that James is going to call heavenly wisdom. So in James chapter 3, James is going to start talking about different types of wisdom that are at work in the world. So let's, let's read real quick. If you have your Bible, we're going to read verses 13 through 18, and then we'll go through and start unpacking it some. Verse 13, James writes, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it or deny the truth. Such quote unquote wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practiced. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. This is the word of the Lord out of James 3. And so if you've been with us as we've been walking through James, we've we've kind of set this up. We've said, hey, James was a leader in the early church who was writing letters to a church that had been scattered a church that at one point enjoyed the like, joy and benefits of coming together in large groups, but because of persecution, they were scattered all over the Roman Empire in the Middle East. And James is writing these letters to send them out to encourage them. And James is like that friend who will always tell you the thing you need to hear, even when you don't want to hear it. You know, he just has this way of doing that. And so he's been kind of walking through this, uh, th- this pattern with us of going, if then— and so what, he's, what, he's, what he said, so two weeks ago, Joshua got up in, in, in chapter two and he said, hey, if, if you claim to have faith, then live it out. Like, if you claim to have faith, then let it come all the way into your life and, and, and embody itself in the way that you practice everything in life, okay? And then, and then last week, Brandon got up and it was kind of this like, hey, if you love God, then tame your tongue. If you, if you praise God with your mouth, make sure that you use your mouth for the building up of brothers and sisters as well. And then this week, he's gonna do the same thing. He's gonna ask this question, and it's gonna be, hey, if you claim to have wisdom, then let it be seen. And so he asks this kind of weird question right at the start. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? This is not James like setting up this moment or like, all right, let's see who raises their hand to say that they think they're wise. You know, this is not like to try to trap somebody and make them look like they're arrogant. No, what, what James is doing, he's saying, hey, who, who is wise among you? Who is it that you're looking to for wisdom? Where, where are you looking for direction? Where are you looking for clarity and for understanding? Because goes, I, I think this question is just so timely for us today. Where are we looking right now? to find clarity, insight, understanding, and wisdom in a world that just feels like it's a mess. Where are we looking? Where are we looking for wisdom? And so what James is going to do, he's going to follow that if-then pattern. He's going to say, hey, if you claim to have wisdom, he says, then show it. Well, how do you show it? He says, you show it, in verse uh, 13, by a good life full of good deeds marked by humility. These are the things that mark true heavenly wisdom. This is how you know. And this, this verse right here serves as kind of the introduction to James's whole discourse on wisdom. He's going to go, hey, this is the target, heavenly wisdom, good life, full of good deeds, full of humility. This is the target. But then what he's going to do is he's going to go through and compare and contrast that version of wisdom and a version of wisdom that he's going to call earthly. Now, before we dive into his contrasting of these two types of wisdom, it probably would be helpful for us to have a good working definition of what wisdom really is. And so, one of the most simple and best definitions of wisdom came from my 10-year-old son, Elijah. Just several weeks ago, he came up to me and he said, Dad, I know the difference between knowledge and wisdom. I said, what is it, bud? He said, knowledge is knowing about things. Like, you can know a lot of facts and know about things. He goes, but wisdom is knowing what to do with your knowledge. And I was like, man. Way to go, son. That's awesome. What's he gonna say? I taught you that. He just picked that up somewhere. You know, it's like, man, that is like just a great definition of wisdom. You see, wisdom is you may have knowledge, you may know a lot of things, but wisdom is knowing how to wield that which you know. I, I think of these characters in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, just referred to as the men of Issachar. What it describes them is they understood the times and they knew what to do. This is biblical wisdom, and this is kind of what we're describing here. And so James is gonna say, hey, there's heavenly wisdom. Good life, good deeds marked by humility. He goes, but there's this other type of wisdom. There's this other thing, the opposite of heavenly wisdom that is at work. And he says, listen, if you claim to be wisdom, if you claim to be wise, but you are filled with envy and selfish ambition, watch out. As I know we wouldn't normally think to link wisdom with things like envy and selfish ambition, but listen to what James is saying. He's going, hey, listen, if you claim to be wise and yet your life is filled, your heart is filled with envy, what we would call jealousy. If your heart is full of jealousy and you claim to be wise, be careful. He says, hey, if your heart is full of selfish ambition, guys, what we would call just ungodly competition, constantly trying to get ahead of everybody else for your own glory. He says, watch out. This is totally different than the type of wisdom he's holding out. He, you know, we, our new NIV version put it, puts it in quotes, like, this is wisdom that's not really wisdom at all. But you know, the, the, one of the issues is, is, how are we supposed to know if that's the kind of wisdom that's in operation? Because he's describing these human motives—envy, jealousy, selfish ambition—how do we know if those things are there? And so he shows us. He gives us a clue. Look in verse 16. He says, where you have envy or jealousy, where you have selfish ambition or ungodly competition, where you have those, there you find disorder and every evil practice. You know, I I read these words this week in, in prepping for today, and I just thought, man, I don't know if there's a better description for what we see happening in our culture. I mean, have you sensed the disorder in the world? I mean, there's so much disorder, you can't, you can't avoid it. I mean, every time you turn on the news, you're seeing about a different riot in a different city. That We're a people that are racked with confusion. We are a people that are just plagued with fear. We are people that are having a hard time like trusting in an election system that's been in place for 200 years, and we're all going, I don't know if I can trust that thing. I don't know how this is going to go. It just feels like disorder is just being bred. It's abounding all around us. And what about every kind of evil? Guys, you look at our culture and it's all there. I mean, it's the corruption and greed and lying and slander and racism and injustice and human trafficking and every kind of sexual immorality you could ever even begin to imagine. It's all there at work in our culture. Disorder, every evil practice. It doesn't take being a follower of Jesus or even being someone who believes in God to stand back and look at our culture and go, oh man, something's off. Something is not right. And what I love about James is he's like a doctor, a good doctor, who sits down with his patient, and you can imagine our culture is his patient. And he's listening to the symptoms, and he's going, okay, envy, yeah, jealousy, yeah, selfish ambition, disorder, every evil practice, uh, I know exactly what's going on here. You've got a really bad case of earthly wisdom. He sees it. He diagnoses it, and he's helping us to see that that's what's going on. And, you know, we as the people of God, we we have got to take time to slow down and go, what is underneath all that is happening in our culture? It's not just bad politics. It's not just bad policy. Guys, there are things in the human heart that have gone awry. And, And we sit in the middle of it, and we see it unfolding around us. And we've got to have eyes to see that what's happening here is people are operating off of a form of wisdom that does not lead to wisdom at all. Let's bring it to the ground. What do I mean by all of this? You know, there are are many in our culture who, who are platforming or jockeying to be the one that says, I have wisdom, I have understanding, let me be the one to speak, let my voice be heard. I mean, it's all over the place, right? Everybody wants their voice to be heard. We'll take an obvious example on an election year. We'll just take politicians, for example. You know, the thing that I've noticed about politicians, at least in my own heart, is that sometimes, if it's not somebody that I trust, no matter what they say, even if it's a true thing, I find myself going, eh, I don't know, I don't know about that. And we all do this, right? If, if you tend to lean left, it doesn't matter what comes out of the Trump or Pence campaign, you kind of go, eh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't like that, I don't know if I like that. If you lean right, you do the exact opposite. Everything that comes out of the Biden-Harris campaign, you're like, eh, I don't, I don't know if I like that, I don't know if I trust that. But why is it that even when sometimes they say true things, we have this check in our heart that we don't want to listen to them? Because sometimes it's not the content of what they are saying. It is the motive that underlines their heart that we don't trust. We go, I think they have too much to gain. And because they have so much to gain, I don't know that I can trust them. You see, it just shows that we actually understand how this thing of earthly wisdom really works. When there's something off in the heart, we don't know that we can trust what comes out of the mouth. We're just not sure that we can get it. You know, but I think it's not just with politicians. You know, we live in what many call influencer culture. If you don't know what an influencer is, then it probably shows that you're not on social media, and I'll say that's probably a good thing, but I'm gonna help you get caught up a little bit on what an influencer is. You know, influencers are these folks on social media platforms like Instagram or YouTube or Twitter, and you know, they've, they've managed to, like, amass large groups of followings. They've got a lot of people that are following them that see every single thing, that they post. But the thing that sets an influencer apart from like your normal celebrity, because you got a lot of celebrities on social media and they automatically have a lot of followers, but influencers kind of are known because they're, they're like, they're just like you or me. you know? It's just like a normal person, a normal guy, a normal gal who just has the same interests as me. They like to do the same things that I do. I can relate to them so well, and yet somehow they always seem to be in the know. <laughs> they know where to take the vacation. They know all the life hacks for Disney World and they're willing to share it with you for free on their social media platform. You know, that's so generous, that's amazing. You know They always know which which clothes to wear. They always know what food to eat, which restaurants to go to. They know what makeup you should use and what product you should buy. They know the best products for your newborn baby, and if you follow them, you'll learn how to use every single car seat under the sun. It's like these are influencers. They're just like you and me, but they're always in the know. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a gamer or a gardener. There is someone out there who's been labeled as an influencer that can help you understand how to do what you love to do better. And we love this because we go, man, they're just so relatable. And I-, I love it because because they're so relatable, they're just like me. They're not trying to rip me off. They're not trying to make any kind of gain from me being invested in the thing that they're doing. And I think we have to go, but wait, are they? Are they Are they really free of gain in all that they're doing. You know, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, Wired Magazine did a whole article on understanding influencer culture. And they had this quote in it that just grabbed my attention, and they were trying to help understand what an influencer is, and they said, you know, basically it's someone who wields influence, duh. But then they said, but that doesn't necessarily match up with the way we currently use the word. They said, influencer culture as we know it today is inextricably tied to consumerism. The term is shorthand for someone with the power to affect your buying habits Mm -hmm. or your actions simply by uploading some form of content onto a social media platform. You know, I want you to think about this, the difference in politicians and influencers. You know, you got politicians on one hand, sometimes they, they might say truth, but we don't trust them because we don't trust their motives and we question all their motives. And over here, influencers, a lot of times, we largely just trust them because we don't question their motives. And, and, and all of these things are coming at us and underneath it all is the threat of what James calls earthly wisdom. Now, if you're an influencer in our church, I'm not trying to badmouth mouth you. I'm not saying all influencers are bad, but I think we've got to be willing to name that guys under the surface, There's always the threat of this envy, this selfish ambition, this trying to gain for themselves. And all of it is trying to influence us and offer us wisdom for what we should do with what God's given us. But guys, it's not just the politicians. It's not just the influencers. We see this in our own lives too, right? I mean, there is a reason that social media is the power and the force that it is in our culture. You know, I I believe that social media platforms, most of them, mostly Instagram, TikTok, those kinds of things, guys, they were built... They were built on humanity's innate desire to promote ourselves, our desire to be seen, our desire to be heard, our desire to be considered worth listening to. All of these platforms are built on that desire in humanity. And guys, you know, and I don't want to just talk about social media. I mean, this desire, this selfish ambition, the jealousy, the envy, this has been in humanity forever. Before social media, it was like the way that we function in the workplace. The way that you talk about your coworkers, the way we manipulate our friends and our families to get ahead a little bit, all of these things kind of reveal what James is talking about in Earthly Wisdom and the underlying motives. So, from political campaigns to influence your culture to your behavior on social media to our behavior within the family of God, even James looks at us and he goes like a good doctor. He goes, I think I know what's going on. All of these things have been built on like an undergirded platform of earthly wisdom. And what is resulting is disorder and every evil practice. But like any good doctor, James isn't going to look at us and just give us the diagnosis. No, he's going to look at us and go, hey, I know what's happening here, and I actually have the prescription. I know how to help this. He's going to say, the prescription, what you need is the kind of wisdom that only comes from heaven, heavenly wisdom. And look at how he describes it. I mean, it's so beautiful. Verse 17, he says, But the wisdom that comes from heaven, it's, first of all, pure. Man, I read that word. And it just makes me want to take a deep breath. <laughs> it's pure. Just think about what pure, what it means, what it communicates. It's uncorrupted. It's untainted. It's non-toxic. It's not, it's not easily manipulated. Man, it, it is nourishing, it is for you, it can be trusted, it is pure, it is wholesome, it is good. He said, this, this is what heavenly wisdom looks like. And he's going to use that one word, and then he's going to unpack that one word by giving us all these other words to go with it. And in the original language, these, these words, he used alliteration and a lot of other literary tools to kind of group them together, and the first three words kind of go together. He says, it is peace-loving, considerate, submissive. What I love about these three words, if you, if you think about the other parts of earthly wisdom, he's, he's laying out the exact opposite. You know, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, these are the exact opposite of envious, selfish, and ambitious. You know, peace-loving is not constantly looking at what others have and trying to be jealous of it or trying to get it for ourselves. It, it, it's, it's, it's trying to establish peace between each other. It's peace-loving. I I'm consider considerate, guys. Considerate is like the total opposite of trying to think of myself being selfish all the time. It's, no, I'm actually considering the needs of other people before my own. Submissive, this idea that I would intentionally lower myself or yield myself for the sake of somebody else. It's a total opposite of ungodly competition. Instead, it is constantly endorsing and advancing others for their good and for the glory of God. But he keeps going. He says it's full of mercy. It's full of good fruit. You get this idea that it's so pure that it is just, it's, it's rich. It's full of goodness. It's overflowing with goodness. He says it is impartial. I love this word impartial. It means that there's nothing else swaying the advice or the wisdom I'm giving you except for God's glory and your good. It's impartial. I'm not partial trying to get something for myself. It's about God and His will in your life and your good. He says it's it's sincere. Someone who's sincere, they they know what they mean, they say what they mean, and they mean what they say. There's a sincerity about them. Guys, ultimately, this heavenly wisdom that James is describing, he is he's painting a picture of his big brother, Jesus. He spent time with Jesus. He's like, man, I've seen all of these embodied in perfect form. It's yeah. It's that early Christian hymn in Philippians chapter 2 where the Apostle Paul tells us that Jesus did not consider equality with God. He did not consider power, authority, supreme wisdom, supreme knowledge, supreme exposure. He did not consider that something to be grasped at or grappled for. Instead, he emptied himself of all of it and became a servant. And he submitted himself even unto death. Guys, this is our King Jesus. This is what His wisdom looks like, and He invites us to be a conduit for that same kind of wisdom for everyone around us. Have you ever ever sat down with somebody in a hard moment in your life, and as you sit with them, you can just tell that they're there with you? I think about my friend Brent Baldwin. He's one of our shepherds at Ethos, and and I can go to Brent if I'm struggling with something as a husband, a dad, a friend, a follower of Jesus. If I need to confess a sin, I get together with Brent Baldwin. And that man, he's not like he's not on his phone while I'm talking to him. He's not, I can tell he's not formulating what he's going to say next to impress me. He is just with me listening. And when he speaks, it comes with a weight. It comes with honor and and I respect it because I know that he is a man that is following Jesus and trying to walk in heavenly wisdom, as James describes it. And so how how do we get this? How do we get this heavenly wisdom? Man, I wish we had so much more time. I wish we could just go so deep into this, but I've got four kind of simple things for how we begin to walk in this kind of wisdom that James is describing. And, And the first thing is this. It starts when we learn to submit to God. We submit to God, and I know this sounds so simple, but, but guys, this is really it. It's, it's recognizing that God is God. We let, him, we let Him be who He is. We submit ourselves to His authority, to His wisdom, His knowledge, that He knows. It's His ways, not our ways. You almost get this, this, this picture of uh, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 that just reads this way. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You hear that? Remember James, he said, who's wise or understanding? It's like he's thinking about the ancient Hebrew writings and he's going, oh yeah, wisdom means fearing God, revering God, letting Him be God. And understanding is knowing Him. This is where it comes from. And guys, how, how do you get there? I'm just going to tell you, it's, it's so simple. Like we say this all the time, right? But it's like, man, If you're spending more time here, if this is forming you, and I know some of us read our Bibles on our phone, but you get what I'm saying here, right? Like, if your time on a device like this on social media platforms is forming you more than your time in this Word, then you are not even going to know what it looks like to be able to submit to God, because you won't know the ways of God. We have to be a people who are making ourselves every day more familiar with the ways of God than the ways of our culture as a spouse on social media platforms, Guys, I know know we harp on it all the time, but it's just so crucial. We are heading into days where we as the people of God have got to know the ways of God, and we've got to be willing to, to lift Him up here and us be down here. This is where heavenly wisdom begins. It begins with submitting to God. The second thing is it continues by submitting to each other. We submit to each other. In other words, we have the same posture towards... The family of God that Jesus did. We, we understand that we lay down our lives for the sake of those that we love. I love the way the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 5 21. He says, He says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus. You see how these two interplay? We revere the Lord, and out of that we begin to submit to one another. You know, th- this is this is hard to get our minds around completely because it's so it's just so opposite of what our culture says. Uh, you know, there's this moment in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it's really interesting, the Apostle Paul is writing to this church there, and he finds out that there's lawsuits, that people within the church are suing one another, taking them to court. And the Apostle Paul goes, wait, you know, isn't there anybody in your midst that's wise enough? You have heavenly wisdom. He's like, isn't there anyone in your midst that can help you settle a dispute? And he, he says this phrase in chapter 6, 1 Corinthians, it's just so powerful. He says, why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? In other words, he's saying we operate on a wisdom that would rather be wronged or cheated than to cause dissension or harm in order to defend my rights. Guys, when we submit to one another, we go, man, I, I'm willing to kind of lay things aside to make sure that we maintain the peace of Christ in our midst. You know, just just yesterday I heard about a, a Christian Company, really big Christian company that's going through some really hard times and I found out that the company is suing the former CEO and I'm going, oh no, guys, when the when the world sees this, when they see this, they go, yep, Christians can't get their act together. They can't, they can't even agree with one another. Guys, we've got to have peace amongst us. Here's what I know to be true. I know that there are some of you in our church family and you are arguing publicly on Facebook with each other. You're tearing one another down because you don't agree with each other's political positions. And guys, I'm just begging you, don't do this. Don't let the culture around us tear us apart. We have a unity in Jesus. When you see somebody, a brother or sister in Christ, whether they go to Ethos or another church, when you see them post something you disagree with, Submission means you go, hey, I I see that we disagree, but because I trust that you love Jesus like I love Jesus, can we talk about that? Invite them to coffee. Invite them to your house for dinner. Serve them. Love them. Submit to them. Let's not stoop to the world standards of earthly wisdom, guys. There is a time coming. Guys, there's a time coming when the world will rail against us. And we need the wisdom of Jesus. We've got to be for each other. We've got to be for each other. We've got to love each other. We've got to build each other up. We've got to assume the best about each other because we have Jesus, and Jesus is the center. We submit to one another. How do you get heavenly wisdom? Man, you submit to God. We submit to each other. Third, we model that submission for the world to see. Guys, this is what happened when I sat in on that ethos meeting. I saw something that was so appealing. I would pack up my family and move across the nation to be a part of it because it was, it was different. We carry that submissive posture into the world around us. You know, Jesus in Matthew chapter five, he says it so well, he looks at us and he'll go, guys, you are the light of the world. You're the light. I'm in you, I'm with you. He says, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light shine so bright towards other men they will see your good deeds and glorify who? Glorify you? No. Let them see so that they will glorify God. Guys, the way that we posture ourselves in the world is pointing to Jesus. What will they see when they see the church? Who will they see? And so we submit to God. We submit to one another. We model this posture for the world this is how we step into wisdom. and the fourth part is that we wait patiently for the results. Look at James 3:18. He says, "Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness." You know I, I don't know. I love this picture. He says, "If you sow in peace, you're going to get a harvest of righteousness. I, I don't know if you've ever sown anything. you've ever planted a seed. I'm just gonna tell you, man. Planting a seed and watching you grow, it grow—it develops patience in you just by the way it works. You know, I, we start planting and we put a seed in the ground, and it's like, man, I wait days. The first time we ever had a garden, 13 years ago, I remember Amy putting seeds in the ground, and every day I would go back there and like look, is trying to will them to grow, and it starts. You see this tiny little sprout come up with the seed leaves, and then you gotta wait for the seed leaves to fall off, for the true leaves to form, and then as the true leaves can do what they do, the plant grows, and slowly you start to see flowers start to come. And then you wait weeks and weeks again, you see the fruit start to form, and then weeks and weeks later, you begin to see the fruit that you can actually eat, and months after putting the seed in the ground, there's something there to eat. Guys, this, this thing, I want you to understand, the world operates so differently. I mean, just listen to the name Instagram. The word instant is in it. We're being trained to think that everything should come like this. But Jesus is going, no, no, no. When you posture yourself with my wisdom, you have to wait patiently for the fruit. You wait patiently for the fruit. There will be a harvest of righteousness. Sometimes you'll see it in your life right now. Sometimes we'll see it in the church right now. But even for Jesus, sometimes that word harvest, what he's pointing to is the end of the age. When he comes back. And he brings out the true, the ultimate harvest in righteousness, and we work unto that end. Sometimes it will mean living a lifetime of anonymity, being the person who constantly lives for the good of others, for the glory of God, with no fame or no glory for yourself. This is heavenly wisdom. And this is what we strive for, at Ethos Church. I love you all. Uh, we're gonna take communion we got some simple questions that are going to come up on the screen. You know, it's going to ask you, hey, if you're you're, you're wanting to use your voice for wisdom, where's that coming from? What's the underlying motive? It's going to ask you, hey, who are you seeking wisdom from? And what kind of wisdom are they operating out of? And how do you know? And then thirdly, what is one way that you can seek heavenly wisdom this week? I'm going to pray for us, and then let's commune together. Lord, we love you. God, we love you. Father, forgive us for the places that we have allowed earthly wisdom to lead us, to guide us, to propel us. Lord, we want only your wisdom. We need you, Lord. We need you in these troubled times. We need you to lead us. Would you fill us with your Spirit? Give us honesty as we break the bread, as we take the body and the blood of Jesus. Speak to us. Lead us. We are yours, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I love you. Ethos. Let's break the bread together.